ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Buffalo Hockey Central Podcast. Let's go, Buffalo. Comes to the side of the net. Rasmus Dahlin sends a cross-ice pass. Taylor Hall with a two-on-one. Casey Middlestat with Hall. Middlestat carries, scores! That was a dart! Brings that one up the wall. Panarin can't move it out. Battle pose a lead. It scores! Victor Olofsson! Takes Thompson between the hash marks. Tries his shot. He scores! Oh! And here's John and Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got another episode for you. Uh, thanks for listening once again. We've got the Buffalo Hockey Central podcast coming at you, hot off of a win. And of course, I've got Craig with me. Craig, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm absolutely outstanding. Uh, what is it? Points in uh, four straight games. I mean, this is the uh, the high point of a really disastrous season. So I'm just tremendous at this point. Yeah, I mean, hey, we've been through a lot and a lot, even more so than just the 18 game losing streak. But I mean, that really that was really really tough for a lot of fans, including myself. I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Uh, I did not watch all the games during that time. It's just, it's just not great for my mental health. Let's be honest. And I'm sure a lot of people can agree. So, I mean, I, you know, I would keep up with them and I would always check the scores and I had to turn frustration into laughs during that streak. But you know what? The Sabres have turned it around, um, and they look a lot better, but Craig, just, uh, just, I want to hear your perspective of the 18-game losing streak and, um, you know, kind of how you were processing that emotionally uh, while watching each each game with another loss after another. Well, I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40 right now, and I feel like uh, basically my entire life was leading up to that moment and leading up to that losing streak because I felt – uh, strangely familiar with the entire process. No, I, I mean, of course, the Sabres haven't had that kind of losing streak in their entire history. Uh, but at the same time, um, I was able so easily to emotionally disassociate myself from the whole thing. And uh, it makes watching the games actually easier for me because I have no emotion whatsoever. So I actually watch pretty much you know, a great chunk of every single game all through the losing streak, uh, primarily because it was entertainment for me just to watch. And it was almost, it was almost like watching a sitcom that you've seen 13 million times. You know, what's going to happen. You know, everything about, you know, the dialogue and everything. And yet it still kind of entertains you. I knew they were going to lose. I knew they were going to look just absolutely terrible in the process. And at that point, the season was gone. It didn't matter. You know, the playoffs were an afterthought about halfway through the losing streak. So it really just became just a touch more than background noise to me. Um, and, you know, after a while, you just really become emotionally disassociated. And even when good things happen, you don't even feel the happiness with it. And uh, I think for me, the main reason for that was this whole saga with Ralph Kruger. 
and how, you know, injuries were happening and COVID was happening and all these things were happening to this team. And so with Ralph Kruger at the helm, you knew it wasn't going to get any better in the short term or the long term. So I just kind of looked at this season like it was just something to do to watch the Sabres. Um, and that's kind of how I'm, I'm still processing them now, even though they're playing a lot better and a lot more competitively in things, um, even though injuries are still a major issue for this team. And, and despite all that, you know, I still feel the glimmers. You know, I see some of the young guys playing well, and it's like, okay, you know, maybe this is something for the future. Not a lot, but it's something, you know. Um, so for me, I'm focusing more on the, the little positives for this team right now. Uh, now that the losing streak is over. And, you know, they started a little point receiving streak right now. So I am happy to see that. But really, truly, it was just basically cutting ties emotionally with the franchise altogether. Um, but just my the, the loyalty to the franchise is what brought me back to watching it. But really and truly, had they lost 10 nothing or one nothing, it would have made very little difference to me. Yeah, well, I mean, whether you're, you know, more on the side of, of where I uh, ventured down and um, not watching as many games or, you know, if you're more like Craig and you just kind of had to, you know, take yourself emotionally out of it, um, you know, we're through it. We're through it, ladies and gentlemen. No matter how you had to get through it, we are, we are through it. And, you know, the cliche goes, better days are ahead. So, I mean, hopefully that reigns true, um, but I do want to dive into um, kind of the Ralph Kruger Don Granado transition and kind of what we saw, uh, whether it was a change of attitude or just a shift in culture, or, you know, what we actually saw during that transition to where the team is now. Uh, Craig, do you want to go first on that and um, yeah, just give your opinion on, on that whole situation? I think the players said it best when they were talking in interviews recently. I know Sam Reinhart said it. I think it was Brandon Montour that said it as well. When they were asked about this change in, uh, in the play style that you can just visually see on the ice, they said, well, yeah, it's because Don Granado lets us skate. He lets us go. Um, and it really, you know, when Don Granado was hired on the interim basis, my first reaction was, wow, that is the most interim coach in the history of interim coaches. I mean, this guy in my head had 0% of a chance to be the full-time guy long-term. I mean, th this was the, the team knew Kevin Adams knew this season's done. Just leave this guy behind the bench and we'll, we'll pick it up from there. But what I find to be kind of interesting is, and again, how much is this him taking off the reins versus how much is this him being involved? I don't know, but let's just hypothesize for a moment and say that this is actually his doing that their improved play right now, despite missing some of their best players for long periods of time, let's just say this is his doing, then you've got to seriously consider if they continue to play this way over the last 20 or so games, you've got to consider his name as the permanent coach of this organization. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying in terms of what we're seeing right now, we're seeing a guy who seems to be allowing the players to play the way that they can in a strength um it's not it's not and that was the thing about ralph krueger and here's the thing i liked ralph krueger when he was hired i really felt like he got a raw deal in edmonton i felt like he was going to be a great coach for the sabers i was very enthusiastic about it i'm not going to hide behind that but it became very apparent very quickly that ralph krueger had a quote-unquote system 
and you were going to follow that system, whether you liked it or not. And if you didn't like it, well, that's just great. Then you become Jeff Skinner and you make $9 million while you're on the fourth line. Uh, even though clearly that's not where he should have been. Everybody knew it. Um, but from whatever old school mentality there was there, it was a detriment to this team. And and just having Don Granado there saying, all right, guys, look, we're just going to skate freely. We're going to open things up a little bit. Um, you know, individual finesse is okay. I mean, you see Rasmus Dahlin, people were panicking about him. And now they watch him play. That pass he made last night against the Rangers, that outlet pass to Taylor Hall, I mean, that was just ab- that play. That was probably the best goal I've seen them score in a calendar year. I mean, it was just beautiful on so many in so many levels. And Ralph Kruger would have benched Darlene for it because he passed the puck in his own zone up the middle of the ice to the opposite boards. But you know what? He had a lane. He made it work. It was perfect. And to me, again, if this is Don Granado's doing, and this continues through the 20-some games, he, he's made enough of an impression on me to say, hey, let's, get, let's give this guy a shot. So I'm really enthusiastic to watch them play the last 20 or so games to see how much of this is him, what happens if they run into some more, uh, some more issues as the season goes on, how do they respond, do they respond better than they did under Ralph Kruger in the 18-game fun times that we saw. Um, but really, truly, he has made more out of this team he has gotten more out of this team than I really ever thought he would. So no matter what happens, you have to give him a lot of credit for at least not riding the ship necessarily, but at least putting the ship upright as it was just taking in gallons of water under Ralph Kruger. So you have to give him credit for that. Yeah, I was definitely, um, you know, like you said, I, I was excited when Kruger came on at first, but I mean, it just became so apparent, and, and we're seeing it now that Granado has taken the reins uh, and, and just let the players play, like you said. Uh, Ralph Kruger, you know, great uh, great guy with the media. Uh, he seemed like a great guy. I mean, everybody loved him, uh, but he just he had, you're right, a system that if you weren't going to play it, you were not going to play, or you would play on the fourth line. doesn't matter who you are. Um, and so, you know, it, it was really restricting too on players. So it just didn't work out. I don't know if there's a team that really could have made it work. Uh, but yeah, Don Granato letting the guys just do their thing. Like you said, Darlene, the pass the other night was absolutely disgusting. He basically controlled the puck uh, tight between two defenders and sent it uh, half the ice up to Taylor Hall. And then the, the pass to Casey Middlestat and the snipe home. I mean, that was a really nice play. One of the best goals they've had all year for sure. Um, so, yeah, I was scared about guys like Darlene. Uh, definitely he regressed under Ralph Kruger. And now you're seeing, you know, how special he really is. You heard all the players on the team uh, you know, this kid's unreal during practice. Like, he's insanely talented. You're seeing it now in games, now that he's he's got the green light. And, yeah, you know, Granado has, has shown me. Uh, I mean, they they look the best team. They look like the best team they've been in, like, a year and a half, <laughs> it feels like, against the Rangers the other night. And that's an exaggeration. But, I mean, after the, the losing streak, uh, yeah, I feel pretty encouraged by Granado, and you know he doesn't even have a full squad with him. So, hey, give him a shot next year. At this point, um, I don't know 
what other options you could go with. Um, but I think you and me, Craig, we agree. Granado gets a shot next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless unless truly the Bruce Boudreaux uh, rumblings come true uh, or something like that, um, you know, if something like that is presented to this organization, I think it would be tough to not take it because those guys have long proven track records at the NHL level. So I think if those guys would be interested, I know Bruce Boudreaux has been rumored to have been interested in the job. Uh, I think you'd have to take a long, hard look at those guys first. But truly and honestly, you know, no, I, I wouldn't mind at all if Don Granado was the guy, at least for a full season, to see how he would handle that. But again, for me personally, if one of those, and I hate to say big names, but if one of those uh, more established coaches were interested, I think you'd have to really consider that. But no, I mean, truly, honestly, the way they've been playing now, I wouldn't be disappointed with Don Granado at all. I, I like what they've done. I like that he's been around a lot of these guys for a few years. And, you know, and and I think he's got their trust. And and by and by the way they're playing, you know, you can almost, you can see that he's got their trust. So, uh, no, and I'd like to see him with a full team as well, with Jack Eichel and Will Borgen and Dylan Cousins and Jake McCabe next year. You know, I'd like to see him with a full team to see what he could do with these guys. Because, I mean, truly, uh, you know, if they can keep a lot of the band together and make some tweaks, if, if he's going to be this this strong of a coach, I mean, they could they could do some things next year potentially. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think I would be completely on board with keeping him. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, he, you know, I wouldn't be upset if if we ended up going with him as well, uh, or or in place rather. Um, moving on to trade talks, I mean, obviously you said the playoffs have uh, been out of reach for quite some time. Um, you know, they're playing for pride at this point and, you know, draft position, but we'll get into that later, uh, another episode perhaps, but, um, you know, top candidates to be traded. We've got Taylor Hall, you know, he's expressed interest in still re-signing here, uh, in the off season, whether that was true or not, or if it, uh, you know, if it ends up working out that way, we'll see. Um, but he is a very obvious trade candidate for a, a playoff team looking to add a top line winger. Um, so, Craig, I mean, what do you think? Uh, what do you think we could potentially be looking at in return for Taylor Hall? Well, the the red hot rumor out of Buffalo is that the Sabers are asking for a first round pick, and that's kind of the non-starter if teams don't agree to that. I think in any normal year uh, without COVID and all the restrictions that that poses for organizations, um, I, I think it's a no-brainer that Taylor Hall gets a first-round pick. Uh, and, and then some. The scuttlebutt in return around the league is that teams are very reticent to get rid of the premium picks because of Taylor Hall's season in which he's been fairly invisible. Um and, you know, the risk that's taken because this draft is not known as a really strong one, but it's also really unknown uh, with the lack of scouting and the lack of uh, junior seasons in certain cases. And and so there, there's a real there's a real unknown to this whole draft. So teams are a little reticent to get rid of draft picks and they're very reticent to get rid of first round picks for next year, because theoretically next year is a very strong draft. Uh, Shane Wright and all these guys at the top. I mean, it, it seems very, very interesting. Um, so the question becomes, and this is the large question at hand, 
will the Sabres move off of the line if a first round pick is not offered in return for Taylor Hall? And and personally, um, I think they almost have to um, because I wonder and I don't and I'm sure I'm not alone in this in this thought, but I wonder how much of the Taylor Hall talk about resigning was centered around Ralph Kruger being there. Because as we know, Ralph Kruger, of course, was instrumental in recruiting Taylor Hall to Buffalo, and their relationship was a big deal um, as to why he signed in Buffalo for a year. Now, now that he's gone, does he really? I mean, he doesn't. I'll be very honest with you, John. You know, I'm watching these games, and uh, he he's pretty much the only guy that I can think of right now that doesn't seem energized with the coaching change. Um, it doesn't seem like his game has changed whatsoever. And I don't think it's because he's not talented anymore. I don't think he hit the wall. I don't think he's, uh, you know, you know, some of these guys like Eric Stahl. I mean, obviously he hit the wall. I mean, you you saw it. He just didn't have much. Uh, but I don't think Taylor Hall. I don't think that's the case with him. Um, it, it seems like he's just not a fit. And it and but and now and the other the other side of that because it's it's hard to really judge that too because Jack Eichel has not been healthy the entire season. And then he didn't play. He hasn't played now for how many weeks? And that was a guy who they were really relying on pairing up with with Taylor Hall to to make a a formidable duo. And they really haven't had they, they even when Jack was playing, they didn't have the opportunity to do that because he wasn't full strength by any stretch of the imagination. So it it's a really odd situation. So, but here here's my prediction, John. This is what I think is going to happen. Uh, I will be thrilled if the Sabers get a first round pick for him. I know some people would say, well, why would you be thrilled? Because this draft is basically a crapshoot. But at the same time, given the season he's had, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't displease me at all for them to get a first round pick. Because, look, this organization, as they've needed for a decade or more, uh, you know, they're in need of of stockpiling good prospects, solid prospects. So um, as many kicks of the can as you can get in the top part of the draft, I mean, I I say you go for it. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me, John, on the other side of, of the coin to see them settle on a second round pick and a pretty decent prospect instead. Um, you know, maybe, maybe somebody who's kind of on the outs in another organization or, you know, a situation where they have, you know, Philadelphia years ago had all these great defensive prospects, you know, and they were, they would have been dealing from a position of strength in that case and something like that. So um, it wouldn't surprise me to see a second rounder and what they would call a B prospect, maybe uh, over a first round pick. But I mean, and people say, well, the Sabres got a first round pick for Paul Gostad how many years ago. But again, that was a really different market and a really different time. And uh, so, again, I mean, I'm I'm probably I would say if they got anywhere between a first round pick and whatever to kind of even things out, which would probably be retainment of salary uh, or or that high second or mid it's going to be a mid second, more than likely mid to late second and a B prospect. I'd be OK with that as well. Yeah, I mean. Maybe it's wishful thinking. I think that they will get a first for Hall. Uh, whether it's this year or next year, I'm not going to call that one. Uh, but I think I think he's got enough of a market out there, uh, especially with the Sabres likely to retain half of his remaining salary. Um, I, I think there's going to be a bidding war, enough to at least get it up to a first-round pick. Um wouldn't be surprised if we saw you know a first rounder and maybe a B level. That would be pretty ideal, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, if, if we see a first rounder this year or next year, I'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, like you said, considering the season he's had. And um, I mean, real quick, Craig, do you, would you at this point look to bring Taylor Hall back next year if he was interested? Um, That's a great question. I would say at this exact moment, I have a little more optimism for it than most, only because, again, he hasn't had the opportunity to play with prime Jack Eichel. And I think that really is a combination that could have made absolute waves uh, for this team. And But I'll say this. Um, I would bring him back again on a short-term deal if he'd be interested in that. And obviously, you know, in terms of the money, the money would have to, to work out um, to where the Sabres got a pretty decent deal with it. Um, again, even, you know, I'll tell you what, John, even if he would be willing to come back for another one year contract, and I don't think he would, because I think he's probably looking for that two to three to four year deal to kind of finish things out. Um, but I, I, I would be okay with it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to cry either if he doesn't come back just because the experiment has not worked, even though a lot of the experiment, the variables around the experiment were messed with. Um, I, I still don't think that uh, many people will be all upset if he doesn't come back just because and, and nothing against Taylor Hall, really. It's just it doesn't seem to have worked with him within the confines of what the organization has today. So either way, I'm, I'm OK with however they go with it. Yeah, I mean, I I could see him maybe coming back um, just because, you know, after this year, what team are you going to go to and sign that two to four year deal? Uh, with, you know, a good amount of money coming your way. Like, you know, maybe, you know, give it a shot, reload, you know, see if it works out next year. If, if he does want that one-year contract, I would, I mean, I would try to get him for like, maybe it's crazy, but like six, six and a half for a one-year. I feel like that's fair based off of this year. And, you know, he either skyrockets his value or moves on then. So we'll see. Uh, do want to go through a little bit of a speed round here with you. It's not that fast, so you're good. Um, but we'll do, uh, you know, trade or keep. Um, and three, three names that we've heard, maybe a lot, maybe a little, but we've heard in the rumor mill. Um, so we'll, we'll go, uh, one, two, three, you can keep them, you can trade them. Um, and then give give a quick reason of, of why you picked that. So uh, Brandon Montour, defenseman. I trade him, um, and I trade him not because I don't like him. I like what he brings, especially over the last you know handful of weeks, ever since the Don Granado uh, interim coach situation. He's been a, a different player. I mean, he's been he's been the player that the Sabers thought they were going to get when they traded him, um, you know, with Anaheim. Uh, from Anaheim. And and so for me, but I will say this, um, he doesn't do uh, enough for me in the defensive zone to really say he's a cornerstone. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman and he's very good. The Sabres have some of those guys. So for me, I think he's the odd man out. I think Will Borgen's emergence in this organization kind of makes him more so expendable. I know they're different players, but again, 
you know, the, the Sabres, and I think Jacob Bryson, even though they're different handedness, Jacob Bryson has shown enough uh, elusiveness and, and offensive spark and skating that he could kind of develop into a Montour type player, perhaps uh, down the road. So for me, uh, no, Montour, Montour would be a, a definite trader uh, if I was Kevin Adams. Yeah, especially with the UFA status at the end of the year. Uh, now, Craig, I'm with you. I think we probably should trade Montour. He has looked so much better since the coaching change. Uh, really great, solid top four defensemen. Um, but yeah, like you said, we've got other defensemen that are coming up that can you know fill that spot for a for a cheaper deal. Um, and yeah, UFA at the end of the year. Uh, who knows if he would want to stay next year. So I, I'm trading him as well. Um, real quick, what do you think we could get back for him? Uh, I think the market on Montour, you know, right-handed offensive defenseman used to be gold in the uh, trade deadline market. But I think obviously this year it, it, it doesn't seem like uh, there's going to be a, a whole lot of normalcy in the market. But I would, uh, you know, I've, I, I've heard people talking about second-round picks, third-round picks, uh, something in there. Um, and maybe, again, kind of a middling prospect or something like that or a reclamation project uh, or, or something like that. So, you know, I, I'd be very happy with a second round pick and a reclamation project or something like that. Uh, that, that would be OK for me. Yep. Agreed. All right. Next player, we've got uh, RFA at the end of the year. Um, Sam Reinhart, top line winger, uh, top line center at times we've seen lately. Craig, thoughts on uh, potentially either trading or keeping Sam Reinhardt? Keep and extend immediately. Look, for me, Sam Reinhardt has been, and as for as much flack as he gets, and I think there's a lot of unwarranted flack for him. Yes, he was a second overall pick. People are comparing him to Leon Dreisaitl, who obviously was picked right after Sam Reinhardt, and Leon, Dre Leon Dreisaitl ends up being a superstar. Okay, fine and fair. But let's be very honest. Sam Reinhardt has been an incredibly valuable hockey player for this organization, and he just gets better every single year. And we and so many people have talked about him playing center and how, you know, he never got a fair shake at center, never got a fair shake at center. Well, now he's playing center and he's playing really, really well. And he plays really well as a winger as well. This guy is a hockey player through and through. They're very different styles of player, but I look at Sam Reinhardt's value very similar to Ryan O'Reilly. And I understand they play a different game. I'm not trying to say, you know, Reinhardt's as good defensively as O'Reilly because he's not. But at the same time, there, there's, this, there's this humongous value to his type of player. And he can be a complementary piece, which is normally what he is. But he can also center a line, we, with, as we've just witnessed. And people have been clamoring for for years to see if he could actually do that. So um, I, I don't think you can justify letting him go. And I don't think you can justify these one-year deals either. I think at this point he has earned, especially in this horrendous season, he has earned, which, in which he's played very well, he has earned a long-term extension. And I think even you know, if you take Taylor Hall's money off the books and then you can't re-sign Taylor Hall, but you can re-sign Sam Reinhart because of that, then you do it. And you do it all day long because he is infinitely more valuable uh, to this organization. I, I, and I don't, I don't see any reason why they would trade him. And if they do, you know, it's just another in the long list of unfortunate events for this organization, I believe. Yeah. We talked about it. I think it was the last episode, um, you know, the quote unquote untouchables. 
and Sam Reinhart was on, you know, that potential fence line uh, for both of us. And I think he's really proved that. Uh, I would definitely extend him. I don't know what kind of money we're looking at. Um, it's really hard to say, but yeah, get him a multi-year deal. I mean, he has earned it. Every single year he gets better and better. He has become a foundation of this team moving forward, in my opinion. So don't trade him. Um, it, it would have to be a ridiculous overpayment that, I mean, it wouldn't even make sense for the other team to do. So keep Reinhardt for sure. Um, all right, Linus Allmark. Now this is an interesting one because he is UFA at the end of the season, correct? Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's a huge question mark there. Um, but Craig, I'll let you, I'll let you take this one. This is a really difficult decision because recency bias has me screaming and jumping up and down saying, resign him, resign him. Uh, he's, he is a number one goaltender of some, uh, ability, you know, not number one is in top 10, but number one is in a solid starter in the NHL. And ever since he's come back, you've seen a complete shift. And in fact, I, I, I really, truly believe Don Granado does have, of course, we talked about it, does have an influence over the shift in this team's play on the ice. But Linus Allmark's return from injury has been just as refreshing. Uh, and so for me, I'm trying to take his entire body of work into context when I say this. Um I I don't think that you can afford not to resign him. And here's why. Number 1, you have nothing else. If you don't resign Linus Allmark, think of all of the gloriousness that you'll have in your net in the coming years because UPL is not ready. He's not ready at the AHL level at this point. He's just kind of getting acclimated to that, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But the problem is, if you have any uh, idea of doing anything in terms of winning hockey games, you're not going to do that with anything you have in the stable today, aside from Linus Olmark. So I believe fully that they need to re-sign him. Uh, Do I think they need to re-sign him for eight years in this huge contract? No. Uh, I understand injuries aren't have been a little bit of an issue. They were an issue this year. They've been an issue, you know, in 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 time. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, you don't have anyone else and you don't have a UFA goalie market. That's really all that strong either aside from him. So, uh, for me, the sooner they sign Linus Allmark to at least a two year contract, the better things are, uh, because even if he's just a bookmark, you know, a guy that they have in as the number one goaltender for now. And with eyes on UPL or eyes on Eric Portillo or whatever the case is or something down, something else down the road that we don't even know about, uh, Linus Allmark is a fine enough goaltender to win you hockey games. And I, I saw this stat, I think it was on Twitter. Somebody had said for goaltenders that have played, I think it was played in 10 or more shootouts, Linus Allmark is the greatest goaltender in the history of the shootout in terms of save percentage. Now, I know that's a really odd little stupid stat, right? Like, who cares? But you know what? After watching Robin Leonard in shootouts for how many years and, and watching the fun that we saw with him where it was like, oh, shootouts? Oh, there's going to be three goals automatic on the other side. Uh, and again, Robin Leonard's turned to be an excellent goaltender, so no disrespect intended. But again, but you understand my point. My point is he offers something that no goaltender has for Buffalo 
probably since Ryan Miller. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Ryan Miller because he isn't, but at the same time, he's good enough that he allows them to stay in games and he can, he can steal a few here and there. Um, so for me, it's keep him and, and there is no other option as far as I'm concerned, at least. Completely agree. And it's funny you mentioned Ryan Miller because I was going to say the same thing. Uh, you know, he really has been the best Buffalo goaltender, uh, since Miller, I don't really, I, I couldn't even tell you who I would put number two. There's been a lot of bad ones. Um, maybe Leonard, but he didn't get a fair shake here. Um, That's true. But yeah, Linus Allmark is absolutely gross in the shootout. He's nuts in the shootout. Nobody scores on him. Seriously, he's, I, he's gross. And it was kind of fun watching uh, Victor Olsson in the post game last night. You know, he was like, yeah, he, he moves very quickly. He's tough to score on. I don't know. They asked him something about the shootout going against him in practice, and he said he's really good. So, I mean, we see it every single time they go to the shootout. I feel confident with all marking that. And, uh, you know, how about real quick, how about little Tage Thompson, huh? Capping it off in the shootout for us. He's picked it I up love- a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And you know, what's funny about Tage Thompson is that, you know, you see those flashes, right? We've talked about him for, for how long and how, you know, he's got those flashes and if he just put everything together and, you know, here's the thing, you never know with a player like him, right? You know, a guy with all this talent, physical talent, enormous human being can skate really well. You know, yes, he tries to toe drag through everybody. I mean, this guy tries to toe drag through the super supermarket. And I, I, I don't really understand what's going on with him with that. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that he, uh, you know, he's got all these tools, right? And, and can you find the coach that can put all the tools in the box and make everything work and put him out in the shootout? I mean, think about that. How many coaches have put him out in a shootout situation? But what a great idea by Don Granado, right? Because isn't that a, isn't that a fantastic confidence booster for a young player? Uh, you know, I, I love that button pushing. You know, that's the kind of thing that, that Ralph Kruger wouldn't have done. He'd have put out his three guys that he always puts out, you know, and, and, and that would have been it. But, you know, Don Granado kind of feeling around a little bit to see who, who's got the hot hand, puts Middlestat out there. He didn't score. But still, it was the right idea. And so for me, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I mean, give Tage Thompson more responsibility and see what he can do with it. I, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, he's looked good. Um, and kind of getting off topic a little bit here. Uh, but I did want to give a shout-out to Casey Middlestat. Uh, talk about taking, you know, mm-hmm. making the most out of your opportunity. Uh, Jack Eichel goes out, um, stall gets traded. Dylan cousins is out. Uh, you know, you're forced to play Reinhardt at center. That, that has looked really great. Um, finally, but Casey Middlestack gets a top role, uh, a top six role and a top line role. Um, and not only does he fill it all right, like he, he excels, as a as a top six centerman and he is he has really thrown himself in the discussion moving forward as your potential second line center i would ideally throw him at the third line center maybe next year um but yeah it's great to see these young guys who have struggled tage thompson casey middlestat and really just pick up their game um seems like everybody has uh has done much better as of late and uh yeah good for those guys um but yeah that's that's pretty much it for the main uh trade talks um you know wrist the line in he's kind of always in trade talks but uh i believe 
you know, Kevin Adams, there was, there was word out that Kevin Adams wasn't going to give him up unless it was a crazy overpayment. So that's something you heard something like that. Yeah, I've heard the same. And I mean, honestly, I will say this though, John, if there was a time that they could trade him for the value that he might be worth, let's just say, or, or Sabres fans might feel he's worth, it might be now. I mean, he's played some pretty solid hockey. I mean, we know Ristolainen has those uh, real fun games where you look at him and you go, I have no idea what I'm watching here. And then he plays a game where he runs down Alex Ovechkin. Uh, so, but he, he's been much more of the entertaining variety of late and, and solid of late. So, uh, I mean, maybe a team takes a chance on him and, and does throw that overpayment out there. So I think there, it's a possibility, but I, I, I agree that I think really the focus will be on Hall and Montour and, and, and players like that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, players like Ristolainen, again, that's, and they've talked about this for how many years, John, and that's more like a draft trade, and it probably still would be. Uh, for whatever reason, this organization loves this guy. And you know what? That's okay by me. Um, you know, you need solid NHL players all throughout your lineup, and I, and I, I think he does qualify as one of those guys. So I think, I think he sticks around. All right. Now, moving on to arguably the biggest question mark in the entire franchise. Uh, not talking about the coaching vacancy. Um, I'm not talking about ownership. Uh, I'm not talking about anything Kevin Adams. Um, you know, whether he's, he's going to add people to his staff. I'm not talking about these kind of things. I'm talking about your captain, Jack Eichel. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Craig. He really wasn't healthy um even when he did play this year you could see it he just wasn't himself and you know not only were we expecting him to be himself but you know a huge uh, upgrade even you know after getting a guy like taylor hall and um definitely got banged up before the season started played through it probably got hurt at least one or two more times um and then it seems like he might be out the rest of the season we don't really know uh, because we don't really get updates uh that often but you know jack eichel he's a huge question mark going forward it kind of felt like this was maybe the last year to prove something to him um and you know maybe there's still time maybe finishing the season strong does mean a lot to a guy like jack eichel even if he's not playing but I mean, this is a big deal. Are we keeping this guy? Obviously, I think, you know, Sabres uh, ownership and management would love to keep him. Um, but he's been through a lot here. If he asked for a trade, you know, would you would you blame him? Could you blame him? Uh, I mean, go off on this if uh, however you want, Craig. This is, a, this is a big deal. I've been bandying this around in my head for a long time. Because when I first heard the rumors that Jack Eichel might want to be traded out of Buffalo, I mean, I scoffed at him. It was it seemed ridiculous because Jack Eichel was the face of the franchise. And the reality is, you know, you don't trade the faces of franchises very often. I know Wayne Gretzky got traded, which can prove that anybody can get traded. I understand that. Let's get past that idea. But the idea here was, no, I mean, he was signed for 10 years at the time. And I mean, you know, this guy wasn't going anywhere, right? I mean, he, he was Buffalo Sabres hockey. There was going to be at least one constant for a decade, and it was going to be Jack Eichel. 
And then, of course, there were the jokes about Jack Eichel being the coach and GM and forcing guys out and things like that. Whatever. But I, I, I gave it no credence, was the bottom line. And people start connecting the dots because they see how unhappy he is with losing, which is absolutely understandable. And uh, I don't blame him one bit for being upset about the losing. That makes him a, a competitive professional hockey player. and I'm okay with that. Um, so let me answer your question first by saying, would I blame him for asking for a trade? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, would I be disappointed as a fan? Of course. Uh, I wouldn't blame him, though, because, I mean, look, here's a guy that understands hockey players, like anything else, have a shelf life. And if you truly want to win at the NHL level, you have to be in the right situation. And there have been plenty of players who have played in this league who are in the Hall of Fame who never won a Stanley Cup because they were never in the right situation, right? So individual accolades aside, you have to appreciate the fact that he wants to be on a winning organization. I've got no problem with that. Um, from an organizational standpoint, would you trade him? Uh, yeah, I think you. I think you would. Now, let me say this. I don't I don't think they will. I don't think they'll uh, I don't they don't want to, I don't think. And they shouldn't. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're trading the face of your franchise, that's what you are telling the league. We're done. We're going to we're going to go ahead and, and, and blow this thing up and we're going to start over, you know, start from scratch. Um, and that's what you're telling the fans too. a fan, a fan base that's already disgruntled and not wanting to buy tickets and merchandise and, and, and support you because you've drugged them through the mud for how many years now? Uh, willingly or unwillingly. And, um, but I will say this, you know, he does have a modicum of power here because if he turns around to Kevin Adams and says, look, I'm done. You trade me or, you, or you're getting nothing out of me. Well, he can do that. Not to say it's the right thing to do, but he could do it. And so if he forces the organization's hand, yeah, I mean, I, I could see them trading him. Now, like I said, I think that's a last resort. Um, I think the organization will do everything in its power to keep him because, and here's the thing, because what, what did Sabres fans clamor for for all those years? A number one center, a number one defenseman, a number one goaltender, right? And as we sit here right now, you could argue they have all three of those pieces. If you say Linus Allmark's the number one goaltender, I think he is. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's a solid number one goaltender that you could find somebody else to platoon with and do a really nice job. You've got Rasmus Dahlin. There's your number one defenseman who seems to be now a number one defenseman under Don Granado. And you've got Jack Eichel, a bona fide superstar, number one center. You got what you needed out of those tank years. Yeah, he's not Connor McDavid. I understand that. But you got what you were looking for. Out of, out of the tank years and everything. So you are willingly telling the fan base and the league that uh, it's not going to work. Uh, and, we're, and we're starting over. So, John, I have never been more in limbo about this topic than I am right now. Uh, because I've gone, I've gone back and forth. I've gone from, yeah, that's not happening, that's ridiculous, it's, it's just not going to happen, to... This year going, wait a minute, you know, and I'm going to say this and I know it's not true. I know it's not true, but part of my brain this year has for, for fleeting seconds, I've considered what if this injury 
isn't all that we're, is really going on here. Now, again, again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's the case. I really I'm not. I, I, I believe Jack Eichel to be competitive enough of a person that if he wanted to be out that if he if he could be out there, he'd be out there. But we've seen crazier things in sports. Right. And there, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors that we don't know. And so we don't know the full extent of it. I do believe fully that he is, of course, injured because because at the beginning of the year, there wasn't any of this 18 game losing streak. You know, he was playing for Ralph Kruger, who he seemed to like. They got, went out and got him Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl. And I mean, really seemed to insulate the locker room. So Kevin Adams did do a pretty nice job of showing him, hey, look, we're pretty serious about trying to put a, a product on the ice. But at the same time, now that everything's unraveled, and again, I'm going to be very clear, John, when I say this. I don't believe there's any kind of faking by Jack Eichel or anything like that. I really don't believe it. But it's scary that the thought crossed my mind. You know, and it's not a Jack Eichel thing. It's more of a, a state of current affairs in sports where this kind of finagling can sometimes happen. And again, I don't think that's the case here. But but at the same time, you know, I, I, I can feel his frustration. I can understand his frustration. And and this team does seem like a rudderless ship right now. Uh, a little bit better now, but at the same time, I, you know, who knows what goes on behind closed doors. So to summarize my, uh, my ridiculousness, let me say this. Um, I, I'll say it this way. I don't believe that they'll trade him unless he forces the issue. Uh, I believe fully that he is tired of the losing, and I believe that is a thing, and rightfully so. And I don't think he would be opposed to a change of scenery necessarily. And again, I don't blame him. Um, and no, I don't think the injury is faked. But again, I it just it 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 makes me think of politicking, right? It makes me think of the things that we don't see, right? And and again, I don't think that's what's happening here. But I mean, it's just. I think there's a lot more moving parts here than we're giving this credence. And, and, and that's what interests me about the whole situation. So that's my diatribe. I said 5,300 words and really I said absolutely nothing. So I've uh, completed my specialty for the night, John. Slow clap inserted. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to see an Eichel trade um, from an optics standpoint alone. I mean, you pretty much nailed that. It really would be kind of just like, you know, letting your king down in uh, a game of chess, just giving up. And and I don't think you're going to see that. I think, uh, you know, Kevin Adams is really trying his best, really giving it the old college go. And uh, we'll see what he can do with a little bit more time. But trading Eichel would just be, I mean, you got to listen to the phone calls, right? But I, I just don't see it happening. Um, he's under term for uh, five more years still. Um, so it's not going to happen. Uh, it would have to be a ridiculous overpayment and I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen with the market we're in right now. Um, so yeah, got to keep Michael and hopefully he can come back, um, you know, motivated again and, and fully healthy and, and get back to his superstar st uh, status uh, as our top line center. Now, Craig, We've still got a, a decent chunk of the season left. Um, and then, of course, the off offseason, uh, so all before next season starts, okay? 
So if you're in Kevin Adams' shoes, if you're the GM, what are you, what are you looking to do to give Sabres fans hope? Um, you know, not just uh, you know this season, whether it's what you want to see on the ice um, from you know a coaching strategic standpoint, something like that. Um, maybe trading a player, getting somebody. You know, if if you control the rest of the season and the off season. What are you looking to do to give Sabres fans hope for next year? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I know all hope is lost at this point. No, that's not really what I would say. But um, but truly, basically, what I would – and that's the thing. I mean, it, it's Kevin Adams is in a really, really tough spot because if you are him, you know, you recognize the fact that it's going to take a lot of work just to get butts in the seats – again, when you can sell the arena out because you've lost a ton and Kevin Adams hasn't. And that's the unfair part here. But the Sabres organization on a whole have lost a lot of goodwill. And this is a town where goodwill is plentiful. And even in this town where goodwill is plentiful, they've lost a lot of it. And so it's going to take some time to get these people to come back to say, okay, I'm now willing to spend my money on the Sabres franchise again. I'm willing to support them financially. And uh, so right there, that's a ton of pressure for a GM, especially, and you're right, John, you know, you talk about an offseason, that's when you have the opportunity to, to provide hope, right? And, and, and the problem is they're going to have to do a whole lot. I, I think he starts, uh, the hope starts if they re-sign Sam Reinhart to a longer-term deal, they re-sign... Uh, Linus Allmark, I think, you know, signing those two guys, you're at least keeping parts of this team together that are pretty good. Um, Honestly, I think what would really help, and this sounds kind of ridiculous, especially based on our last topic, but I think a vote of confidence from Jack Eichel would be huge to this organization if they're talking about the fans and things like that. If, you know, if you can convince Jack Eichel that you have a plan, okay, moving forward, this is what we're looking to do, X, Y, and Z. And you can convince him of that, and then he can give, and then he feels co- comfortable in that regard. You know that gives because really, truly, think about it. You, if you ask about the Jack Heichel trade six months ago, we're laughing, and the topic takes ninety seconds because it was so ridiculous. But now here we are in the beginning of April, and now the topic isn't as ridiculous, right? So th- there's something to be said there because there's a lot of fans out there who are not, including myself included who are not sure which way this organization wants to head. Uh, their drafting has not made them a whole lot of friends, right? I mean, Marco Rossi's sitting right there for him, and they say, nah, no problem. And they get Jack Quinn. Okay, fine. Jack Quinn, obviously not ready for the pro game, played in Rochester this year. Not really, I mean, he's not horrible or anything, but he's, now, in fairness, he wouldn't have been there in a normal season. But again, you know, you're not doing stuff that really eschew a whole lot of confidence from your fan base. So, I, you know, and John, that's the thing. I don't even know what, what you could do aside from, you know, another Taylor Hall type signing would probably do wonders for you. Right. I'm not saying Taylor Hall necessarily, but that came out of left field when they signed him for that one year contract. Nobody saw it coming, but it did energize the fan base. Because it showed the fan base, look, they're willing to, I don't think there's a question they're willing to spend money. Everybody knows the Pagoulas are willing to sign the checks. 
I mean, they're up against the salary cap, which is a problem to be up against the salary cap and be this terrible in the standing. So, I mean, that's an issue. A, a, a compl- that's a whole other episode. But the idea here is as a GM, then you're kind of handcuffed by that idea. So I, it's a great question. And I think if you're going to energize the fan base, I think you just have to make the smart moves. Right? I think truly that's where you have to start and make the intelligent hockey moves. This is a smart hockey town, a smart hockey fan base. They understand that if you re-sign Sam Reinhart, that's a good thing. If you re-sign Linus Allmark, that's a good thing. They understand those things show that you're willing to try to move forward as an organization. I think you could probably get more butts in the seats if you hire Bruce Boudreaux as your head coach. I think by hiring a known commodity, people might be excited about that because they could see him turning this team around pretty quickly. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche are a great example of that. When they had Patrick Waugh behind the bench, they had all this talent and they just weren't very good. He gets fired. They bring in the next guy. All of a sudden, now, and now look down the road here, the Avalanche are one of the best teams in the league. And they, they have primarily the similar talent to what they had under him. Right. So the idea here is a coach can make that difference. So I think that's probably the best they can do under this situation. Um, I don't think a trade really does it because if you look at their roster, who are they going to trade to make any kind of spark for a return? And you could talk about Jack Eichel, but then you've traded the face of the franchise. And what have you done there? Right. You really haven't done a whole lot there. Um, so, I mean, truly and honestly, just from a, a logistical standpoint in terms of, you know, drafting, because dra- drafting is the other issue here because a, they haven't been very good at it. And B, uh, you know, draft picks primarily don't see the NHL for how many years. So you're not going to energize the fan base that way either. Um, so aside from, so John, here's basically my thought here. Aside from an out of left field signing a la Taylor Hall this past offseason, the only thing I think they could do to really sell some more tickets and really get people excited about this team is to hire a name coach. Uh, I think that's really the only thing they could do to, to, to do something like that. Uh, because Don Granado is not going to bring people into the building. No disrespect to Don Granado. But, but quite frankly, he represents, uh, he represents a scenario that is not exactly filled with optimism. So, um, you know, and, and that's, that's the hard thing. And I think that's another reason why you might not see Taylor Hall come back. Because they need the cap room, right? If they're going to improve this team dramatically, they need more quality players, not just one guy who may or may not show up. And yeah, he could, he could put, you know, on a really nice night, he can still score three or four points in a game. We haven't seen it in Buffalo, but the talent is there. But at the same time, or do you take that money, you know, his what $8 million salary from this year and spread it to two guys for 4 million who are, you know, everyday kind of players that, that, that can really produce, you know, at, at least some level. Uh, that might not sell tickets, but it makes your hockey team better. And I think those are the kind of moves they have to make this offseason. Moves that just generally make your hockey team better. I know it sounds simple, but that doesn't mean signing a superstar, right? You know, that means making the right choice at coach, making smart moves for for the on-ice product, and then letting things come together organically next season. Uh, because I think that's the only way you're going to bring these people back to the building is if is if you show for a few months early on in the season going into Christmas, right? If there's a right, if there's a normal season next year, 
you know, all of a sudden these guys are a lot better because you've done everything intelligently and measured instead of just throwing money at random superstars, hoping that something sticks doing these measured, intelligent hockey moves. To me, that's the only way to, uh, to, to give people hope. And it sounds boring and it won't give people hope going into the season, but you'll see the results as the season progresses. I think that's the only thing you can do at this point. Hmm. I like it. There's a lot there. I think you're missing one key piece of the upcoming off season. You gotta somehow, I don't care how you do it. Cody Eakin cannot be on this team next year for the love of God, please get this man off the team. Kevin Adams, do what you have to do. I can't, I can't watch Cody Eakin play hockey anymore. It is, it, it raises too many questions for my brain to handle at one time. And there are, I mean, there's so many people that can play the same role he's trying to play at a cheaper cost. I mean, look at Johan Larson. We could have had Larson instead of Eakin. But anyway, I digress. Siri, I'm not talking to you. I don't know if you picked up on Siri button in <laughs> on our conversation, but uh, I think Siri doesn't want Cody Eakin on the team either. So I understand that completely. Definitely not. So I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, other than that, you know, there's 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 a few things he can do that, you know, give fans an insight, um, but a lot of it is behind the scenes and uh, you know, the, he he's going to have to do those um, you know, very calculated moves like you said, um, and and make the team better. That's that's all you can do. Piece by piece. And getting rid of, rid of Cody Eakin is the very first move you make. So uh, there you go, Kevin Adams. That's at the top of your priority list. <laughs> um, but yeah, Craig, we'll we'll wrap it up here. Uh, but two zero and two in the last four games, these boys are rolling, and we've got New Jersey on Tuesday night, seven p.m. You got any predictions? You know, it's funny because every time I predict something, it goes directly down the toilet. And so I'll continue the trend. Um, I watched New Jersey play Washington today, and it was lumberjack hockey. I mean, it was just up and down the ice. And when I turned it off, it was five to four Washington. And it was, I mean, there was just offensive chances left and right. And I'm going, you know what? If New Jersey brings this game on Tuesday and Buffalo's playing more openly as well, this could be a really fun hockey game to watch. So I'll say the Sabres' uh, little roll continues and they beat New Jersey 4-2. to two. And I know that says a lot because I just said Buffalo's going to score four goals in one singular game. And that is a feat that uh, you don't see very often from this team. But honestly and truly, you know, they're playing well enough um, that I, I, I could see moving forward you know, that their offensive clip is going to be a whole lot better than it's been. It can't get much worse. <laughs> um, so true. So true. But but I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually one up you here, Craig. I'm gonna say five two Buffalo and you know I'm Ooh. saying I'm going with five two because I I don't remember exactly how many times, but the Sabres lost 
by the score of five to two on countless occasions during the streak. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think they're going to flip the table a little bit and uh, we'll get a five two victory on Tuesday night. Um, anything else to add tonight, Craig? Back to you, John. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thanks for tuning in to the Buffalo Hockey Central podcast. Check out our website, buffalohockeycentral.com, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. Bye.